1450 AM WKXL 1039 in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM booming into the Manchester area. It is Kale and Company. We are presented by Weed Family Automotive, located at 124 Store Street in Concord. You can give them a call right now and make an appointment, 603-225-7988. Or, Dan Weed, people can even uh, make an appointment online, correct? That's correct. Via our website, email, give us a call. Facebook, you can do it through Facebook as well. So we have all sorts of options for you to get in touch with us and make those appointments. And uh, you can do it certainly at WeedFamilyAutomotive.com. That is the the wonderful voice of uh, Dan Weed. And uh, Dan uh, could have easily been a big radio star in his own right, but he decided to go into more legitimate work and help people with their vehicles. So. <laughs> I tried I tried following the footsteps of the world-famous and venerable Ken Kale, but I failed miserably, so here I am fixing cars. Yeah, and uh, and helping so many people over the years at uh, Weed Family Automotive on Store Street. And uh, Dan is our guest today for the show. And, uh, of course, the, the big issue re- regarding vehicles these days is the incredibly high price of gas. So I... I think, Dan, while you're here today, I want you to explain to us how we can get better gas mileage. You want the, what, pol- the pol- political uh, answer or the mechanical answer? Uh, e- either one. E- either one will do, or both. Okay. We've, got, we've got plenty of time. But is it true that you can... Uh, get better mileage by driving slower? Is that true? Well, I'm not going to say so much slower, but I'll call it less aggressively. Okay. So those of us who like to go from zero to 60 in you know, under five seconds, yeah. uh, we might need to back off that pedal just a little bit. And so, you know, that's one of the, the big things is our driving habits. You know, we, we tend not to think about uh, the jackrabbit starts and, and all of a sudden I need to get on the highway and accelerate from, you know, zero to 60 and again, you know, three or four seconds, but the reality is that's the biggest uh, effect on our fuel mileage is our driving habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, given the cars that we have these days, and they tend to, if you will, learn our driving habits, much like a lot of the other computers that we have in our life, um, they tend to adjust the shift points, uh, throttle curve and whatnot based on our driving. So that, that actually, your car has the ability to cert- learn certain uh habits that you have as far as driving is concerned. So it will adjust its shift points to your driving style. Uh, and those adaptives can be cleared or relearned at, at different points uh, in the car's life. But it tends to see these patterns and follows it pretty routinely. So if we start to change our driving habits, the car will then change its drivability uh, features, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, based on that. But you know, one of the biggest things that we see is, is the way people drive. And you know, we're just coming out of winter, so guess what? You know, if we stop letting the car warm up in the morning, that five or ten minutes of warm up in the morning, uh, albeit good for the car, now is also bad for the fuel mileage and goes against your fuel mileage. So if we uh, skip the warm-up first thing in the morning, of course, it's supposed to be, what, in the 50s and 60s this week, so yeah. a little more comfortable when, now than it was when it was zero just a few weeks ago. For sure, yeah. Uh, so the warm-ups not, are not as critical at this point or comfortable, I'll call it. So, you know, we, we uh, do away with the warm-up cycle. We start paying attention to our driving habits. And as much as I like to pick on the, the 55 community uh, as far as drivers and yeah. not 55 age, this is the yeah. 55 right. mile per hour folks, um, 
they are the ones reaping the benefits right now because yeah. they've learned those driving habits. You know, I find even in my truck, you know, and I, I run a, a one ton diesel truck. If I back off that four or five miles an hour, so instead of doing 75, keeping up with traffic and I'm doing 70, it makes a substantial difference in the fuel mileage. Does it really? Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, as much as four or five miles per gallon. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And that, that really is. And uh, you protract that over, uh, you know, many, many miles that uh, people drive, then that, that would make uh, quite a difference, especially now when, you know, gas is rapidly approaching $5 a gallon and, and diesel a lot more than that. Yeah, diesel's over $5 now. You know, gas, the last I looked around town was in the 425 to 450 yep. range. But yeah, the, the biggest thing, you know, and we talk about it with the safety on the highway and the yellow, blue, red lights is, you know, slow down, pull over. Mm -hmm. Well, same thing with your fuel mileage. And it's not so much the pull over thing, but it's the slow down, yep. you know. So, you know, we came up with the 55 mile an hour speed limit back in the 70s, I believe yeah, it was. I think right. so, yeah. Thereabouts because of the, you know, oil embargo that right. was going on and all the, the oil problems that we had. And we were conserving fuel. We were doing gas rationing. So your odd even license plates, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Yes, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, what did we do? So we backed the speed limit down in the day from 70 or 75 to 55. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We did away with that 55-mile-an-hour speed limit just a handful of years ago now. It's 70, and guess what? Our fuel economy has gone away with it as well. Yeah, no, very true. Although I, I would imagine, uh, like, like most of us, it is uh, very difficult to drive 55 when you're on a highway, let's say 93, 89, whatever it may be, 95, uh, very difficult to drive 55. Oh, no doubt. No, without creating a, a true safety issue or safety right, hazard at right. that point. Yeah. But, you know, let's, let's look at a, a, a compromise, if you will. But if instead of the 70 mile an hours, if we were doing, you know, that 65 to 70, mm -hmm. and again, you know, you're dropping that speed limit down. What is it actually going to change in your destination arrival time? Right. Three to five minutes. And is that really that critical? You know, so. Yeah. If we can slow down a little bit, uh, give us a little more time to enjoy the scenery, pay a little more attention, which is really critical these days after seeing the, the video clip last night of the uh, DOT truck getting mm. hit on the side of the highway. Yeah. You know, let, oh, let's yeah. slow down a little bit, enjoy the ride, pay a little more attention, uh, and get there safely and also at the same time conserve some fuel. So there's that, that you can uh, slow down a, a little bit and... Uh, but uh, what about other factors that uh, enter into it, like uh, tire pressure, for example? Well, there's there's a great idea right there. Is you know, so we're coming into that our spring tire changeover season, but also it affects the tire pressures. And usually we see it the other way around. So coming into our winter tire season, all of a sudden we see the tire pressure lights going on left and right because that three to five psi difference triggers that light. Well, the same thing affects your fuel mileage too. So mm -hmm. keeping your tire pressures where they they should be in that anywhere from 30 to 35 typically range on average. Uh, but whatever the door placard says for your fuel, for your tire pressure makes a big difference. You know, we see uh, in the hybrid world, they went to a special tire compound because it achieved better fuel mileage based on the compound of the tire, as well as keeping the tire pressure up. So you get that tire that consistency le consistently leaks and or we're, we're always fooling around with tire pressures on the car to keep the light out. Uh, the more consistent you are with your tire pressures, the better off you are, which is one of the reasons they came out years ago with the nitrogen in tires 
because it's not as uh, it does not it doesn't affect the nitrogen as much with temperature changes, which we see a great deal of here. Now, I guess I haven't quite been sold on the whole nitrogen thing just yet uh, because of the additional cost involved. Uh, and it hasn't been a huge selling point uh, over the years. Now, I see in the RV world, uh, most of your RVs and campers come factory filled with a nitrogen tire. Uh, but the overall everyday benefits, uh, I is there some benefits to it? Yes. Have I been completely sold on it? Not yet. Not yet. All right. The jury's out. Dan Weed is with us from uh, Weed Family Automotive, our great sponsor here on uh, Kale & Company. We're uh, talking about uh, ways in which you can conserve your your gas, get better mileage, and uh, very important these days with the escalating uh, price of, of gasoline. And we don't know uh, when it's going to level off or the prices are going to go down. That's uh, very much a question mark uh, right now. And we're talking about some of the ways that... Uh, you might be able to improve that mileage. And, and what about uh, changing spark plugs? Anything uh, to that? Or? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Ken. And, you know, this is one of the things that, well, back in the day, here we go again, that we used to do tune-ups on basis of 30,000 miles or even less. You know, mm -hmm. when we were changing points and condensers, it used to be, say, 12,000 miles we were doing tune-ups, you know. Yeah. Uh, now we're doing spark plug changes anywhere in the, on the low end, 60,000 to 120,000 miles for a spark plug change. Uh, long gone seems to be the day of the fuel filter. We still do have air filters, and some of the stuff we find in air filters is amazing. So if I had to tell you number one priorities, check the air filter, make sure the air filter is good. Okay. Uh, especially uh, now we're coming into that spring changeover. The critters are moving around like crazy, and we see more critters <laughs> hold up. I've in, seen in, some pictures. In, yeah. in air filters yeah, yeah. and cabin filters and stuff like that than uh, I could even begin to tell you about. But, yeah, you know, just something as simple as an air filter being plugged or partially plugged will make a huge impact on your fuel economy. Uh, spark plugs, yeah, uh, if they haven't been done, maybe you haven't reached that mileage, but maybe it's time. You know, it's, you've, those plugs have been in there for five, six, seven, eight years. You know, and yeah, it's, it's time to change them out. And then you get to the mileage indicators. You know, the most common one is around 100,000, 90 to 100,000 miles. So if you're in that ballpark, you're starting to see a drop in fuel mileage. Might not be a bad idea to do some spark plugs in it as well. Yeah, but they, they do last a long time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. we used to change them at 12,000 miles yeah. when, when we were yeah. adjusting the carburetor, changing points and condensers, setting dwell and timing. But that's a yeah. whole different world and, and long gone in the day of computers now. Uh, and, you know, again, as, as I have grown up in the industry, we've seen all these changes. And when they went from that 12,000-mile spark plug to even mm -hmm. a 30,000-mile spark plug, we were all skeptical, you know. And so we'd pull them out at 10 or even 15,000 miles and check them, and, yeah, they were great. And then when, when they, they went from 30 to 100,000 miles, you know, we were just at that point beside ourselves that, that, yeah. that this was even possible. But sure enough, you know, we're seeing spark plugs. We pull them out at 100,000 miles. And other than some minor wear, if you will, or some uh, fouling, whether it's carbon or oil, whatnot, uh, the spark plugs are lasting typically without a problem that 90 to 100,000 mile range yeah. well, without an issue. So, Well, they have certainly made improvements uh, along those lines. What, what about you? You mentioned the, uh, the air filter and uh, what you find sometimes in that air filter. What about the, uh, the cabin 
air filters. Does that have any bearing on gas mileage? Unfortunately not, but no. uh, more importantly, it has a, a bigger effect on your health, your overall okay. health, because yep. you're, that uh, heating and air conditioning system is drawing all its fresh air in from the outside. So some of the things that we typically see when it comes to cabin air filters, the biggest thing is it hasn't been changed since the car was new, uh, and it's just filthy, dirty with mm. pine needles, acorns, and on and on the list goes. You know, we have found you know, living critters in the cabin air filter compartments. We found massive <laughs> nests in there. Uh, and it's just amazing what you see. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that we try and do as we change the cabin air filter out to try and keep the critters out, if we, we will, we put a dryer sheet in there. It's, it's quick, it's easy. It has a little bit of a deterrent for what are the, you know, the critters that get in there. And it helps out. Uh, fuel mileage, no, not so much. Your no. overall health, yes. And there's a couple of different filters out there depending on your car. You can get your regular, uh, as we would call it, a pleated paper filter, mm -hmm. or you can get a filter that's charcoal impregnated, so it takes out a little more of the particulates out of the air, will absorb some of the pollen and dust a little bit better. Uh, it's not available for every car, but the ones that it is, I would strongly recommend it. Very good, very good. And, of course, uh, it's that time of year. It's, uh, it's spring or just about spring, depending on uh, when you're listening to this program. And... Uh, you know, we, we find that there are quite a few potholes uh, out on our roadways, our, uh, especially the, uh, you know, the ones that uh, you know, aren't maintained as well as some of the, uh, the highways are, are maintained. So uh, what, what's your suggestion for potholes and the, the uh, importance of avoidance of those potholes? Well, I, th I think you, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> the, the biggest thing is if you can avoid it and what looks to be a everyday puddle in the road can be that uh, hidden obstacle of, you know, a foot or more deep. Uh, so, you know, if you can avoid it, great. If you can't, that's understandable. I mean, our city and state uh, has probably one of the biggest challenges as far as roadways out there. You know, you head down south and Midwest, and they certainly don't have the, the temperature swings that we have. They don't have the water and ice problems that we have in the, in the northeast and whatnot. Uh, so our road crews are up against a, a huge challenge as far as maintaining it and keeping up with the potholes. You know, I've seen in the city of Concord recently, they've been out patching some of the potholes. You know, I think a few weeks ago, Clinton Street was one of the yeah. the, the uh, big detractors, if you will, and just before the lights uh, there on Clinton Street, there was a couple of rather large uh, swallow-your-car potholes out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they got in, patched it up. But as far as, you know, what we're seeing for repairs, yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, some bent rims, some suspension damage, broken springs and whatnot. And, uh, you know, some of this comes with age and mileage, but also some of it is just due to the fact that we couldn't avoid that pothole. You know, blown tire, what we describe as a, a curb tire with a sidewall damage and whatnot, you know, creates that instant flat tire and puts you beside the road. Never a good day at all. So No. Uh, not not at all. And, and speaking of that, what about the, the alignment uh, of your vehicle. I know it's important to have a vehicle that is well aligned, but does it have any bearing on, on gas mileage? It actually does. So, yeah. you know, this time of year, I would advocate for you to wait just a little bit longer till the pothole season is done and the roads yeah. are semi-repaired. But yeah, if you have a car that's that far out of alignment, uh, A, you're going to have some tire wear issues, but yeah, B, it will affect your fuel mileage as well. So you have a couple of mitigating factors there. Of course, Right now, we have too many factors working against us with, you know, seasonal temperature swings, uh, weather conditions, and, of course, the, the road conditions more than anything. Uh, but, yeah, if all of a sudden you have a, a bent or broken steering suspension component, 
enough that you can drive it maybe, but far enough that it really sets that alignment off, it will affect the fuel mileage and, of course, the handling of the car. And, you know, at what point does that become a, a safety issue as well? Mm. So what, what's your inclination? When do you know, when does the driver know that there may be an issue with the alignment? Uh, the, the biggest indicator for the everyday person is that steering wheel is off-center. So it's, you know, 10, 15, 20 degrees off-center, left or right. Now, a lot of people will say, well, I can't steer the car. You know, if I hold the wheel straight, it goes left or right. Uh, the reality is, is what's happening is the car is now pulling left or right due to a, an alignment issue, and that's what we're fighting. So uh, that's the number one indicator. I think as far as tire, possibly suspension damage, more likely tire, is all of a sudden you hit that pothole, and now the car is shaking or vibrating. A lot of times what happens is the tire just can't handle the impact of that pothole, and you, we have what we call a belt separation. So the belt actually breaks inside the tire and will actually create a, a deviation in the, in the tread of the tire. And we see it all too often. You put a car up with a, you know, or have driven the car, and the thing is shaking horribly. Uh, typically, you go 20, 30 miles an hour, and it feels like the front or back end of the car is just going side to side, side to side. And that is typically an indication that you've got a, a, a blown or broken belt in that tire. So what, what's the best thing to do, Dan, when you know uh, you, you're coming to a, a pothole or an imperfection uh, in the road uh, that is, you know, potentially could do, you know, some serious damage to your vehicle, but you just can't avoid it? What, what's the best way to approach it? If you absolutely cannot avoid this I don't know, obstacle in the road, we'll call it. <laughs> Uh, the, the best thing is to slow down, go through it as slowly as possible. Uh, the, you know, make sure obviously, you know, traffic around you uh, is aware, make sure that, you know, you slow down gradually, but if you can go through it as slow as possible, you know, say even under 10, five, 10 miles an hour at the most will soften the blow, so to speak. Yeah. And hopefully mitigate whatever damage you might do. You know, if there's no other way to go around it, go through it as slow as you possibly can. Yeah, I guess that's all you can do. I mean, uh, I, I, I face uh, one of those almost every day. Yeah, I won't say where it is. <laughs> but <laughs> Dan Weed is with us from uh, Weed Family Automotive. You know, I see some people, and, and, and myself included, when I can. Sometimes you just can't do it. But when I can, I, I try to avoid the, the speed bumps that you see in various places. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's places that have uh, well-designed speed bumps and others yeah. that leave the uh, engineering a little questionable. And, uh, you know, again, that's one of those things that as slow as you can go over it. Now, granted, I know it's fun to try and launch the car over some of the, I call them a speed table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, the speed bumps themselves, you know, is really not a lot different than a pothole or, or, you know, something laying in the road. So the slower and, and more cautious you can go over that, the better off you are. Yeah, absolutely. It is Kale and Company. Dan Weed is our guest today here on AM 1450 WKXL 103.9 in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, presented by Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. You can make an appointment right now. 603-225-7988, or you can go online and do it as well at weedfamilyautomotive.com. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company. Great to have you with us today at uh, AM 1450 WKXL, the signal that's been around for 76 years. 
1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in the Manchester area. We're presented by Weed Family Automotive, and our guest today is, in fact, Dan Weed of Weed Family Automotive. And uh, I know uh, one of the uh, joys in life for you, Dan Weed, is uh, getting on uh, that snowmobile and and riding through the trails of uh, New Hampshire and elsewhere. So how was this uh, season, how was the, the snowmobile season compared to recent ones? Uh, so we've had our, uh, I'll call it second short season in a row, yeah. uh, particularly in, in the North Country, you know. Uh, they're typically used to uh, going till the end of April, early May, so to speak. Uh, and I've seen as of this week uh, and the warm weather that we're experiencing, a lot of the clubs, in, even in the North Country, are shutting down their trail systems at this point just mm. because of lack of snow coverage. Uh, we had uh, a pretty decent year all in all, but uh, the snow coverage, uh, even in the southern half of the state, uh, really has been lacking the last number of years. Uh, we're hoping that uh, obviously that changes, and I will be uh, quite honest with you. I've always been skeptical, uh, had questionable intent about the whole global warming, uh, whatnot, and I'm starting to see it uh, impact our lives directly now, uh, as far as the snowmobile season is concerned. So, uh, you know, here in the central part of the state, uh, we're going on four to five years, if not longer, that we've had a really good. Uh, old-fashioned New England winter with a lot of snow coverage. Sure. Yeah, uh, and be quite honest with you, I think if I saw my pictures correctly, it was seven years ago that our club had uh, done a demonstration unit with a brand new groomer. So that was the last time that we rode that particular year from Bow all the way up to Pittsburgh on sleds, and it was the last time that that was able to happen because of snow coverage. Yeah. Uh, so I know that last uh, year, so in 2021. Uh, the North Country ended their season around middle of March, and we're doing that again this year. And again, when we're used to seeing in the North Country, that season extended through the middle of April at least, and now we've got two two years in a row where it's been cut short. Uh, again, like I said, my questionable intent about global warming has always been there, and now it, it's kind of uh, got my attention, I'll call it. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, uh, there, there's certainly a pattern developing over the last uh, number of years, as you mentioned, and... Uh, uh, there may be something to this thing. Uh, the the other thing that I wanted to mention to you was uh, uh, recently the Senate, the U.S. Senate, passed the Sunshine Protection Act. Okay. Which would give us daylight savings time year-round. I'll take it. Year-round. You know, we, we talk about the uh, effects of daylight savings time and whatnot, and you don't give it much thought, but your your body is synced to a regular cycle and all of a sudden you disrupt that cycle twice a year and it sets a lot of people off so i would certainly uh be an advocate of leaving the time alone yeah uh i think it came you know in in my days of growing up the advocate advocacy was for electrical savings and, and you know energy savings at the time right and reading some local some recent reports they said the overall impact on energy savings was minuscule uh it really came down to daylight use for different recreational purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that, you know, we can get out of work and go play a round of golf and it's still light out or whatever we want to do for that activity after work. Yeah. Uh, works great. We still had a handful of states that uh, were holdouts on the whole daylight savings time thing. I think Arizona was one of right. them. Yeah. They don't uh, honor daylight saving time and neither does Hawaii. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, 
obviously Hawaii, they're a bit closer to the equator. They're, the time change really doesn't affect them as far as daylight issues. Certainly we see it here in the Northeast, you know, when all of a sudden it's dark in the morning when we get up and it's dark when we go home at night. I, you know, I, I am a big fan of winter and winter activities. That's one of the things that I don't like is the, the short days. Yeah, no, exactly. So just leave the clocks. How, how yeah. long have we been saying this? Just leave the clocks where they are. Right. And uh, so it's been approved. It passed in the Senate. Great. It has to go to the House of Representatives next, and they have been they have had committee meetings about that, as I understand it. And then if it's passed in the House of Representatives, it has to go to uh, President Biden. So we, we never know really what's on his mind. So uh, <laughs> Are you saying he won't yeah. see the daylight? <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> if he did, it might be a first. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, that's, that's where it is. And I, I never thought in my lifetime that I, I would see this change. Now, we haven't yet. But it's it's, it's possible, close, right? It's we're, possible. We're getting closer, and again, I, I would be an advocate for it uh, as long as I keep it, I guess, in in the content that it is now, so that we have our, especially here in New England, that we have the longer days at night. So it's you know in the summertime we get those eight and nine o'clock summer evenings where it's still light out. Yeah, you know? oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, you know the advocates are saying as well that it it may cut down on uh, traffic accidents as well. It's possible, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and of course, you know this is. One of those, uh, again, split decisions, so to speak, because you got the people that like getting up in the morning, the, the early bird risers, yep. you know, the guys that are up at four or five o'clock in the morning and start their day then, you know, they'd rather see, obviously, early daylight. Uh, and you get the other half of the country that rather sleep until six or seven, whatever yep. it is, uh, and be later, you know, light till, you know, eight or nine at night. So, the, you know, there's always that diversity involved in who are you going to please? Yeah, I know, exactly. Or, or do we split it down the middle? But I, I bet if you took a poll of our audience right now, though, Dan Weed, you would find that most would be in favor of just leaving the clocks where they are yeah. and uh, get more daylight at the end of the day. I, I would think that would be my guess anyway. Yeah, that, or, or you know, instead of going an hour in either direction, split it in the middle. Let's let's do a compromise. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Now, one of the things that I, I'm sure must be happening now with uh, gasoline prices, the way that we are and we, the way that they are, I should say, and, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past on, on this show the theft of catalytic converters, uh, and uh, I know that's still going on. But now, uh, one of the big issues is people stealing gas right, right. from other People's tanks. Yeah, and we, we've seen it uh, firsthand this week, actually, uh, at our shop. We had somebody come in that was a, a victim of gasoline theft. Now, in the old days, again, I'm dating myself, we used to be able to put that siphon hose right down the fuel filler neck and siphon out whatever we needed to. Uh, you can ask my daughter how well that works, and we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it made it real easy. Uh, with the advent of emissions and, and other protections, there's actually, and a lot of people don't know this, there's a, a rollover protection valve that is now placed inside a fuel filler neck. So that if you happen to get in an accident, the car is on its side, rolled upside down, that all of a sudden the gas is not draining or dumping out of these vehicles, creating a fire hazard. So it is no longer as easy or sometimes even possible to siphon it through the fuel filler neck. So what's the next option? We take it out of the gas tank. Well, how are we going to get it out of the gas tank? All right, well, most of the gas tanks these days, uh, some are still metal, but most are plastic. 
we don't typically have a drain plug on, on them anymore. So what we're starting to see is these people are jacking the cars up and drilling holes in the gas tank to be able to siphon the fuel out of it. Wow. So, uh, and in a lot of cases, you know, some, some of the salvage yards are able to sell a used gas tank uh, and some are not. So you get a car that is now uh, in that 10-year-old range, mm-hmm. uh, which is where a lot of the manufacturers start dropping off and producing parts that aren't so popular. So all of a sudden, that 10-year-old car has a plastic gas tank in it, which is not going to rust out or anything, so why produce a whole lot of them? You can't get it anymore. And if you can't find a used one, then you've basically you know, made that car undrivable. Wow. And so you know, that, that is really something. You know, the, yeah. the aftermarket industry has adopted very well you know, producing catalytic converters and aftermarket catalytic converters mm-hmm. as well as you know, the OE ones. But when it comes to a gas tank and damage to a gas tank, yeah. uh, there's very few options in the repair industry that leave us uh, outside the realm of liability. How's, how, uh, outside how's the realm of liability. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, so our options as a new or used replacement, and if that's not available, uh, the, the options for repairs are, are very minuscule. Mm. Wow. So what what do you do if you become victimized by some of these people who jack up the cars and uh, uh, drill a hole in your in your gas tank? Well, the first thing is obviously, you know, depending on where you are, is to notify the police, do a police report, yeah. and then your insurance company. Now, depending on where you're living, uh, if you're living at your house, you have two options at this point, is your obviously your car insurance policy, and if you don't have coverage there, your homeowners as well is, is another avenue to pursue. Hmm. Uh, the downside again, is we get into some of these older vehicles and parts availability, yeah. you know, we're all struggling with supply chain issues right now. All right. And yeah. this, this is no better. Uh, so all of a sudden you have to unfortunately total or scrap a car because there's no parts available. Wow. Boy, that, that is something. And, uh, I, I hate to think, but you know, it's, it's going to be more prevalent as this, uh, crisis goes on as, as you know, if, it's kind of uh, sad to joke about it, but the converter thefts have gone away at this point, and we're now dealing with gasoline thefts. Mm. Uh, kind of harkens back to the old uh, movie Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, no, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where our world thrives on a petroleum-based economy as far as transportation is concerned. And without it or with the, the influx of high, high gas prices, I mean, our gas prices have now almost doubled in the last two, two and a half years. Mm. Uh, and, you know, what affects us every day is our gasoline prices of what goes into the car. But I think a, a lot of what we forget to talk about is the transportation costs. So our, our entire transportation system, whether it's train, planes, you know, the big 18-wheeler, you know, your tractor trailer and over-the-road vehicles yeah. are all on a, a diesel-based product. Yeah. Uh, so all of a sudden, if those costs double, your transportation costs double, which trickles down to the end consumer, which is you and I. And and so it affects everybody's sure. prices. So the better we can control those transportation and fuel industry costs, the better we're able to uh, get a hold of inflation on in our economy. And uh, the, the diesel, I mean, as much as the, the regular gas has been going up uh, over these last uh, months and um, year and a half or whatever, 
uh, the diesel has been going up even more. It has, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, your average diesel cost that I've seen around town now is over five dollars. Yeah, uh, which is in my lifetime the highest I have ever seen it. You know, yeah. we, we creeped in on the the four dollar level. You know, eight plus years ago, whatever it was, yeah. uh, that went away, and now we're we're back into it. You know, full force. We're now we're over five plus dollars for a gallon of diesel fuel and. Home heating oil, you know, same, oh, same thing, you know, sight, for the, yeah. the, the uh, folks that are on a fixed income out there, right. trying to get by, you know, maintain their house and whatever, uh, all of a sudden you've doubled their home heating costs, particularly in the northern climates, uh, where we already have one of the most expensive electric bills out there, uh, which recently went up even more. So now you've increased the electric bill, you've increased your home heating bill. Uh, where are these people going to be able to come up with the additional funding uh, out of their budget. And and this, you know, from a, uh, a country that uh, at one time, not too long ago, was energy independent. As we and, should be. As we should be, and uh, have all the capabilities of being so. Uh, and, and now, look at us. And we, we should never, we should never in our lifetimes or in the history of, of the world ever buy gas again from Russia. Uh, you know, no. I, well, yeah. I think the statistic I saw was yeah. only one percent of our fuel or oil comes through Russia. Mm. Uh, one of the scary things that I had seen on an uh, interview was uh, President Biden meeting with, I think it was the Chancellor of Germany, and they were talking about stopping the U.S. funding the German pipeline mm. out of Russia. You know, which begs a bigger question: Why are we funding a German pipeline coming out of Russia? All right. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. you know, we, we need to, I, in my mind anyway, focus on uh, our own well-being, our own infrastructure, becoming less dependent on other economies in other countries yeah. and uh, take care of ourselves. You know, again, I was thoroughly disappointed uh, not long ago when I'm starting to look at, you know, the supply chain issues. And I go over to our parts shelf and over 90% of the parts on the shelves were coming from other countries. Uh when most of the stuff used to be made right here in the U.S. Primarily where? Is it China? In that particular day that I looked at, if I had to put a percentage on it, yes, most of it was from China, uh, Korea, and other countries. But, you know, we stop and think about some of the brand names that we've dealt with in our industry over the years, uh, and one of them was really surprising to me. So uh, I'm a big General Motors guy. I grew up in the Chevy world. And so I've been a big fan of AC Delco and, and supported them wholeheartedly. I worked at the GM dealer for a number of years. Uh, was putting in a set of spark plugs in a Chevrolet car not long ago, only to happen to glance at the box. So my AC Delco spark plugs were now made in China. Mm. Uh, just, wow. I, I couldn't tell you how disappointed I was uh, in that particular brand, you know, made, you know, born, bred, made in the U.S. Yeah. And here I have their own parts coming out of China. And, and I'm sure the same is true for other parts as well. What, what about tires? Where are they coming from? Everywhere. You know, yeah. still a lot of it, you know, China, foreign countries, Malaysia, uh, Japan, uh, you know, even again, you know, some of the brand names that we would expect to be yeah. made here in the U.S. Yeah, Goodyear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, are not being made in the U.S. anymore. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's, you know, being, yeah, it's a U.S. owned company, but all their production is, is somewhere else in the world. It's a shame. It really is. And the supply chain issues continue, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, no doubt. You know, we're, we're seeing it every day where 
you know, we would typically be able to complete a job in one day, uh, but parts availability doesn't make that happen anymore. And where we would source a, a simple break job mm. from one vendor. Uh, we had an instance recently where we had to get one brake rotor from one vendor, another brake rotor from another vendor, and yeah. the brake pads from a third vendor because they just didn't have the inventory. Yeah. Wow. It, it's gonna. It has to be a, a particular strain on on your business. So many businesses, but uh, you know, the getting auto supplies has to be very very difficult these days. Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive at 124 Store Street in Concord. You can make an appointment. It's getting toward the uh, later part of the month. So if you're a March baby, uh, you need that inspection done uh, relatively soon. So make an appointment right now, 603-225-7988. Or you can do it at weedfamilyautomotive.com. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company. Dan Weed is our guest from our sponsor, Weed Family Automotive at 124 Store Street in Concord, and uh, inspections, if you're, uh, if you're born in March, if your birthday is in March, you need one by the end of the month or shortly thereafter. There's a, a little leeway, but not much. Make an appointment right now at uh, WeedFamilyAutomotive.com. You know, times are, are tough for a lot of people, Dan, these days, uh, economically, and uh, people are out of work, or even if they're not. Uh, inflation has uh, really had a, a big impact. What if somebody drives into into your shop and they have a number of things, you know, wrong with their vehicle, and uh, you know, but they they want to keep it running? Is there is there one job? I mean, is there one thing that would be overriding that they should do, other than other uh, you know issues that might be happening with their car? Is there one overriding job that? you know, could sustain that vehicle for uh, a while anyway? I think the way we like to look at things is, is a really a safety aspect and, you know, what's going to give the customer the most longevity out of it at that point. So we'll deal with safety issues first, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to the inspection thing for a minute. Yeah. Uh, first, I got to uh, give a shout out to some of our leadership in the state. Uh, we had a bill come through again this year to repeal the inspection Re- program really? oh, within the state. Again, so it's not the first time. Not the sure. first time. It's almost a, a yearly thing. Yeah. Uh, and they saw fit at this point to uh, uh, table the bill, so they uh, voted it inexpedient to legislate. So thank you to all the you know, senators and, and representatives that saw their way clear to keep our inspection program in place. Well, that's uh, a good thing. And, and because there are states, believe it or not, and we've talked about this before, there are states that don't have inspection programs. Exactly, right. And, you know, last time I went to committee, uh, we were testifying, you know, in favor of repealing the bill. Uh, and I think I took probably a little bit different tact on it uh, in that one of the things that we failed to consider and goes back to your, your question about what we can do as far as mitigating some of the costs. So if we're doing a maintenance or proactive repair, the cost of that repair is substantially less than it is if you were broken down, got in an accident, or we're sitting beside the road. Because mm-hmm. all yeah. of a sudden, now we take another factor. First off and foremost, a safety issue with you and the vehicle being broke down beside the road, as we've seen in recent highlights of the DOT truck accident. Um, so then you've got the tow bill. So now you've just added sure. anywhere from 100 to $150 yeah. immediately to have that car towed in. And typically, again, a proactive and maintenance repair is a third to half less than an emergency repair uh, based on 
mitigating factors. Uh, so first and foremost is let's deal with safety issues as far as we get a list of stuff to contend with on your car. Let's deal with the safety issues first, address what we can, and then we'll deal with the ancillary items, whether it becomes, all right, this is going to be your next safety item, or we're starting to get into maintenance and upkeep items. So obviously, you know, we break them down that way. Let's deal with the, the most important, you know, what's going to affect you and your safety first, address those, and then go from there. And, you know, again, going back to the state inspection thing is that how can we portray into our legislative body that the inspection program creates a proactive or preventative maintenance program that isn't there. And you're in, in doing so, is it a little bit cumbersome to bring your car in once a year to have it checked over uh, for stuff that you wouldn't normally look for or a lot of people overlook? Uh, no, I don't think so. And, you know, for 45 50 $60, whatever that inspection happens to cost you, to get a good thorough evaluation of your car once a year. Right. Uh, in my mind, it is a great value. No, I know uh, there's a bunch of friends of mine that have shops in different parts of the country with no inspection program in place. Uh, and they provide as a service, if their customers care to uh, do it, a comp, well, a, a thorough inspection of, or evaluation of that vehicle. They start off with a base level, which is in the 40 or $50 range, all the way up to you know a full comprehensive mm-hmm. of 100 to $150 or more for that same evaluation that we do here annually in our state for that 40 to $60. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I can't imagine uh, a state without a mandatory uh, inspection. Uh, and because, you know, obviously there are some people who are never going to bring their vehicle in and unless, you know, and when the time comes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when something very seriously is wrong with that vehicle, then they'll bring it in and then it's going to cost them a bundle. It is. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of the stories that I like to, uh, share with people is an incident that we ran into a, a number of years ago. We had a car come through the shop for, again, you know, just an evaluation, gave that particular individual a list of stuff that needed to be d- addressed. But one of them happened to be the fact that uh, some of the ball joints on this vehicle were very loose and one of them was, you know, truly ready to come apart. Took the car, that was it. We had never heard from him again. And I got a call from one of the local body shops one day wanting to confirm the fact that we had seen this vehicle several weeks prior to. They had since gotten into an accident, and these people had declined repairs dealing with the suspension, which at this point clearly caused the accident that they were in. Mm. And we said, yeah, you know, we told them this, this is what it needed, that it was unsafe and really at that point shouldn't be driven. Uh, that information was carried forth to the insurance adjuster, and the insurance company denied the entire accident claim. Wow, wow. So there you go. Uh, there is a, a story that uh, you know, is a true story, and, and folks just, uh, you know, take heed. And uh, it could happen to you if you don't take uh, great care of your vehicle. We have to uh, move on to a, a break here. It's Kale & Company. Dan Weed is our guest from Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. It's Kale & Company on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. We are heading down the home stretch of this edition of Kale and Company on WKXL. Dan Weed is our guest from uh, Weed Family Automotive, and uh, I, I, it seems to happen every year. We talked about in the previous segment of how there are some legislators who want to get rid of, of the inspection process in New Hampshire. But you have to remember, Dan, there are also some legislators who 
who want to secede from the country too. <laughs> so true. I mean, you know, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> so, two, two different extremes. <laughs> yeah. So so there there are you know there are whack jobs out there uh, in in the New Hampshire legislature, but that's always been the case. They they let me in for a term, so that, that's all I can tell you. But Dan, again, uh, thanks for being with us. Always uh, great insight and, and great tips on how to maintain your vehicle and uh, and folks. Uh, uh, I my have my vehicle now. It's over two hundred one thousand miles. It wouldn't be there uh, without the help of a Weed Family Automotive. So Dan, thanks for all you do. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. And that'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company. Thanks for joining us on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com.